You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? What's that? From across the internet to wage war against the evil forces of whatever comes fan holes. They change from comic books to sci-fi to pop culture to even more comic books. And when you press the button on their backs, you hear real sound action. Say something, Grimlock. Me, Grimlock. love tacos. They're fan holes, and they're exactly what meets the eye, each sold separately. Complaint time may vary. Tacos not included. Hey guys, guys. back to another exciting exciting episode episode of Fan Holes. And as promised, uh, we promised you last last week we were going to be doing another another Fan Holes Dare. So we're going to be doing a comic book dare this time instead of uh, TV episodes. And uh, just to, you know, I'm, I'm Derek, Derek WC, your host, and just everybody else shout out and let everybody know who's here for this week's podcast. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Mike Thunderwing. Justin Grimlock. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much self-explanatory at this point. Hopefully you listen to the last Dare show, which just involved different fan holes assigning other fan holes to watch TV shows that neither of them had ever seen before, and then we're kind of given our thoughts on it. So this is pretty much the same basic setup. We're looking at comic books that none of us have read before that the other fan hole has suggested that they either, you know, they thought we would like those comics, or maybe it, you know, maybe it was something a little outside the box that they had never experienced before. And uh, I, I don't think there's any uh, explicitly, uh, you know, bad comic choices that were hoisted upon the fan halls particular dare. But, you know, I think we'll all have something interesting to say. Um, I'm just going to go down the list now, uh, you know, my, my Skype windows and, and kind of start with Mike. And uh, what, what did Mike have assigned for us, or for, for Justin, actually. Um, I assigned to Justin uh, some specific issues of uh, IDW's Transformers Spotlight that I enjoyed and I thought were probably the best representations of that series. So, yeah. What'd you think of them, Justin? Um, some of them I liked, and some of them I did not like so much. I don't like the look of this at all. You cop, tell what you find out. Me, Grimlock, tired of waiting. Sorry, Grimlock, I can't tell you anymore. Secret keepers always weepers. Tell a friend or heads will bend. I always hoped I, I'd never be alive to see this day. Um, the ones you chose for me to read were uh, Spotlight, Shockwave, Nightbeat, Soundwave, Cup, Wheelie, and Hardhead. And um, I'll just go ahead and get the bad out of the way. Like, I didn't really like the one Spotlight Cup. Like, the art was really kind of weird art style. 
and like the idea of a transformer stranded on a planet and you know kind of going crazy and talking to a dead comrade like that was interesting but i don't know i just like the overall story i just didn't really care so much for it spotlight hardhead i it felt really kind of scattered to me like you know, like it was missing pieces of the larger story that was going on, like with the dead universe and you know yeah. some stuff with your namesake Thunderwing. And what I really hated was like I really enjoyed the Nightbeat spotlight, but then he just like gets shot in the head in this one. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> yeah. I liked him. Like he he was a cool you know transformer. I, oh, I- I picked Hardhead because it was kind of a sequel to Nightbeat, but, like, also, it was in the middle of a storyline, so, it, yeah, they had to, like, firm. that was when, like, Furman's run was ending, so he had to, like, wrap up all the plots, so for some reason they decided to, like, condense them all into the spotlights, which didn't work so well, but, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, the idea of Nightbeat being, night be- being kind of like, you know, uh, uh, a beat cop or, like, a detective or something, and... You know, like that was really interesting, interesting to me because I like, you know, TV shows about like, you know, police procedures and stuff like that. But him just like getting shot in the head and like that's it. I'm just like, well, okay, he's not dead, is he? I mean, you know, he had his own spotlight and he was, you know, integral to this one. But no, he's dead. That's in the night beat. So, boo. Yeah, no, that was that. Leo, Leo. <laughs> That that was like the between Spotlight Nightbeat and Spotlight Hardhead, there were like two years of stories with uh, Nightbeat. So like yeah, he didn't like that wasn't like, you know, he didn't like he got his due at least. No, okay. But yeah, and like I, I like that one just because I like the focus on Hardhead. Like I like that like Furman took this character that really was nothing before this and kind of made him. I mean, he kind of reminds me of like Brock Sampson almost like from Venture <laughs> Brothers. Um, the other ones, like Wheelie, like I didn't think I was going to like the Wheelie spotlight, but I actually liked it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I liked the very beginning where he was like, you know, he's like, you know, don't you have an assignment for me, Ultra Magnus? Isn't there anything I can do, old buddy, old chum? And he gets an assignment, and he, he ends up, you know, getting stranded on this planet with, like, uh, you know, Reflector, all those guys or whatever. Like, that was a, that was a good story. Yeah, everyone was kind of surprised by that because they're like, it's Wheelie, but it was actually a nice little, like, done-in-one tail. Spotlight Soundwave, I thought was, you know, it, it was okay. Like, I guess, kind of like the Hardway, Howardhead one, it felt like there was parts I had missed out on because I'm just reading, like, these spotlights and, you know, I'm just picking up, like, story threads throughout some of them. Like, you know, their artwork was all right, but I don't know, it just... Something about it felt kind of off to me. I don't know. Um, like I said, I really liked Spotlight Nightbeat. The only thing I didn't like was the artwork. The artwork felt kind of really sketchy. Um, but I did really like the story. And, you know, like I said, I really liked Nightbeat. Um, and then Shockwave. I think I had flipped through this one when it originally came out at the comic book store just because I liked Shockwave. And then, you know, the Dinobots show up in it. So, you know, obviously I'm a fan of the Dinobots. Um, but. Shockwave, it was it was okay. Like I didn't really care for them getting their beast modes, which I know that's like you know kind of a shout out to like those toys, you know the Beast Machines uh, version of Dinobots getting released or you know whatever. But um, Shockwave Spotlight, it was okay. Like you know, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like you know love it. But it was okay. Yeah, I, I tried to pick 
spotlights that were sort of linked into each other, like Nightbeat and Hardhead and yeah. Soundwave and Shockwave. But yeah, I totally understand because like Furman was running like a dozen plot threads at that point, mm. so like they were all like seated through the main books in the spotlight. So I can totally get how like uh, what do you call like it would be like kind of like yeah, if you were just reading that, it would be kind of confusing. That's why I like tried to put like Wheelie and Cup, which were more like standalone stories in there yeah. too. Uh, I will say this, like even though I didn't really care for the Hardhead one, like it got me curious as to about like what was going on in the greater story like all the stuff with Thunderwing and the Dead Universe which I've heard like you and Tony like talk about all these story plots before but it made me like want to go out and like try and catch up on some of that stuff because it, it seemed pretty interesting yeah like the sad part is like Furman's stuff got really like like cut short and like he like he had to wrap up all that dead universe stuff in like four issues which and like in time for like all hail megatron to come out so that was kind of sad because everyone was like so invested in that story and then idw was like nope we got to do a soft reboot so yeah Mm -hmm. but it's funny about Cup, though. It seems like everyone either loves that issue or hates that issue. Like, and a lot of times they hate it because they're like, you know, but Cup's a crazy, like, killer on a planet or something. And, you know, I just like it because I thought it was like a spooky, like, kind of atmospheric tale. But, yeah, I can see, like, how people, like, I, when that issue first came out, a lot of people were like, I don't like this at all. Like, you know, it was just kind of, that that was one of the very first, like, kind of out there, like, where you were, like, when, like, with IDW Transformers, people were like, wow, this is really different. Like, yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting, like, character study, I guess. But then when he was, like, at the very beginning, he knocks the head off that robot or whatever that's like, help me. And he just knocks his head off. I'm like, okay. Is this going to be like, you know, Tony Stark in The Crossing or something? Like, are they making Cup all crazy? <laughs> like, I don't know about this, but, I mean, I, like I said, I didn't like it overall, but, like, I mean, it was really interesting. Like, it was an interesting take on Cup. Like, I had never seen, like, you know, uh, Cup go in that direction, but, you know. I gotcha. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh I really like the Soundwave one just because, I don't know, like, Furman seems to be the only one who, like, characterizes Soundwave as having, like, an actual, like, personality and not, mm. like, just being the guy who is like, yes, Megatron, no, Megatron, you know, eject this, eject that, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. So, yeah, I just, I, I really like that, like, crafty Soundwave that Furman likes to write. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always liked the idea that Soundwave is just kind of, like, there saying... Eject, yes, uh, Megatron, just, you know, because he's, like, biding his time to, like, you know, become the talk dog over Starscream and Megatron. Like, I always liked that idea, but, I don't know, just something felt off about the Soundwave spot, like, like I was still missing more of the story or something. Yeah, that all tied into, like, I think, like, Stormbringer, the miniseries, which dealt with, like, yeah, Thunderwing and stuff, and Bludgeon's uh, cult resurrecting Thunderwing and all that, so. But cool, cool. I'm glad you liked some of it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, overall, you did a good job. I mean, I liked most of them. The only one I would say I just really did not like would just be the hardhead because Nightbeat got killed and because there was so much going on that I didn't know. Like, even the cup, like, I mean, I didn't... It wasn't my favorite, but I'm not going to say, like, oh, I hate this. It was terrible, but but I think you did good. Like, you got me interested in reading more of, like, 
Transformer comics from that era. And I know, like, just from hearing you and Tony talk over, like, the past year or so, I know a lot of that stuff is, like, you know, hit or miss. Like, there's some good, but then there's, like, a lot of bad. So I kind of, like, want to get my feet wet wet a little bit more. Yeah, Furman's stuff from the first two years is pretty solid, but, yeah, and then you have that stupid all-hail Megatron period, and then you have the stupid, like, ongoing period, and now we have, like, a good period again with the new comics, but, yeah, it's, it's IDW really fluctuates in quality, I guess. So going on down the list, uh, and we're just talking to him, uh, is uh, Justin. So, Justin, why don't you tell the listeners... Uh, you know, the, the comic dare you had planned for Brian. Uh, I assigned Brian the first story arc from Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol uh, just because I wanted, you know, to kind of expose Brian to some more, uh, like, DC works. And, you know, uh, that's, I mean, personally, like, I really like that run on uh, Doom Patrol. And Doom Patrol is one of those weird comics. It's just, you know, you see the Doom Patrol show up and, like, you know, Batman Brave and the Bold or something, and, you know, it's just – you only get, like, a little taste of, like, the, what the Doom Patrol is about. I mean, they're, like, the crazy team of, of DC. They're always dying, it seems, always dying and coming back. The Doom Patrol. There were some who found these freakish outsiders unpredictable and dangerous. But Negative Man, Elastigirl, and Robot Man were passionately embraced by the younger generation. Teenagers who saw these brooding outcasts as symbols of their own loneliness and alienation. I just wanted to, like, you know, give Brian a deeper taste of DC, I guess. Yeah, um, I did enjoy it, Justin. I'm glad you recommended it, especially when, you know, I realized that it was Grant Morrison who wrote it. I haven't had, like, a, you know, a lot of opportunities to read a lot of Grant Morrison, but, you know, kind of like there's books that you know are classics or movies that you know are classics and you're like man I want to read that sometime or I got to watch that just because of uh you know the uh, all the hype surrounding the movie like Grant Morrison's you know a writer who has a lot a huge fan base you know and almost like a cult following and he is definitely someone I wanted to read more um so yeah the story is basically what I thought it'd be you know I figured going in that it'd be you know, maybe a little bit more in-depth or cerebral, especially to comics from that time period, just because it, you know, was written by Morrison, and that's the way it turned out. Um, even even saying that though, it was pretty straightforward and easy to follow, and like I really enjoyed the little logic um, problem they had at the end, which was how they beat the Scissorman. Um, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, that was kind of cool. But yeah, I liked it, um, and like I'd read a. The thing is, like, I'd read a lot of Justice League International, mm-hmm. and I was almost, like, as suspicious of the Chief as I was of, like, Max Lord, like, just reading the two, you know, because, um, like, in this one, I don't know what's happened, but it, it seems to start off with, like, uh, like the team had been disbanded for a period of time, and the Chief was trying to get people back together again, it, but, like, at the same time, just some things that he said, like, made you question his motives, or, like, how he's going about, you know, the putting together of the team again to where you're like, well, I wonder if this guy's a little bit shady. So, yeah, that reminded me of Justice League International, which I also enjoyed. So that's kind of cool reading that, too. And I almost want to read more just so I can figure out if there really was something up with the Chief or not. There's there's a lot of comparisons that are made between Doom Patrol and the X-Men because they're both they were both kind of released uh, around the same time period. I think Doom Patrol, like, predates it by, like, 
a month or something, you know, and and like you know, there, there's plenty of that. Professor Xavier is a jerk syndrome with with Niles Calder, you know, like that, like you know, it's like he he was alive and he's in a wheelchair just like Professor X, and he's telling them all what to do, and then you know, in the older comics, it's like he quote unquote dies, and then they're they don't know where he is, he is. and then he and has then he a has wife that shows up that's looking for him and all this other stuff, and then it turns out he was really alive the whole time, you know, so it's like. There, there is that kind of, you know, he's, you know, and then I guess because he's got government connections, you know, mm-hmm. maybe in today's day and age, people would be like, oh, well, that's that's shady, you know, like those <laughs> kind of things where it's like, oh, he he's buddies with Ronald Reagan, he must be a dick, you know, he supports Obamacare, <laughs> we can't trust yeah, him, yeah, whatever it is, you know, like things like that. So, but um, I I, I just wanted to say for me, like I this was. Uh, Grant Morrison titled that I had not read until it was mentioned, you know, brought up by Justin for the podcast. And to me, it kind of reminds me of like the whole Alan Moore being like the definitive or the, the, the twist new take on Swamp Thing, because you had about, you know, around the same number of issues, you know, Swamp Thing, I think his run started on issue 20. And then everything kind of turned on its head at issue 21, where he sort of you know, gave it kind of a, you know, you don't know what you think you really know turn and everything. And and with this, it's not quite the same thing, but, you know, it had about, I think, 18 issues or so. And this was following that invasion crossover where all the, the dominators and different alien races came to invade, uh, you know, Earth in the DC universe. And so basically the original Doom Patrol team or the team that was you know, currently the team in 1987 or whatever. And I think by the time you started reading the comic, it's probably like 1989 is when that crossover happened. So, like, basically the whole team gets fucked up during that crossover. And so, basically, he kind of gave Morrison a clean slate. You know, the last writer, I think, was Paul Cooperberg, I think is his name. And so he kind of wiped everything away and was like, hey, you know, you can start from scratch with these guys. And for me, I'd like, I always kind of say, like, anime has its blue cupcakes. Well, you know, Morrison, of course, has tons of blue cupcakes. So for me, like, how you kind of said it, it sort of was what you expected, but it wasn't, it was cerebral, but it wasn't quite that out there. It, it sort of definitely continues to head further and further out there into blue cupcake territory. So I kind of like the ending of this because it was kind of like what you're talking about with the riddle with the scissor men, you know, because they, they say like, why is there something instead of nothing? It's like, well, then if there is something, then you guys can't exist because you're nothingness, you know, or whatever. And then it's like, to me, I was always like, I told Justin after I read it, I'm all, this is awesome. It's like, they're like, damn you, sir. You will admit that you are blue cupcakes. You know, like, you will admit that you are nonsense, you know, and that's how, like, they sort of save the day or whatever and stuff, so I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So was that character, um, Crazy Jane or whatever, was she made specifically for this, like, by yeah. Morrison? Yeah, that, that's kind of like his, his baby character or whatever, like, she kind of gets to do a lot of cool stuff, I think, because he, you know, he had that idea and he's like, wouldn't it be cool if a character had, like, multiple personalities, but each personality had a different superpower, you know, and so there, yeah. there, there's lots of interesting things I guess you can do with that, you know, and I, I kind of like the whole relationship they set up between Cliff Steele and Crazy Jane, you know, how they kind of met each other at the, you know, the the mental home or whatever, but they, they, they continue to progress and have a pretty interesting relationship, I think. Yeah, I thought she, it was an interesting idea for a character, plus it leaves like, you know, like a lot of wide open possibilities for what to do with her later, just because, you know, you can always invent a new pos- uh, new personality and power 
to, you know, kind of put into your story as you need it. So, Justin, I assume you've read, like, a lot more Doom Patrol after this. Like, does the Chief eventually go bad or anything, or was I just reading it wrong? I, I won't spoil it for you, but they definitely touch upon that issue. Um, you know, if you read further, there's a lot more, like, crazy, far-out ideas in the run, like the painting that ate Paris and uh, Danny the Street and Flex Mentolo. Like, it gets it gets really blue cupcake-y. Um, it's kind of like I told Derek when I was originally reading this. I was like, I can only read like five or six issues, and then I like I have to take a break and stop for a little <laughs> while, and, and pick it back up. But yeah, the, really... the thing that that baffled me was the in the the painting that ate Paris, the the one uh, uh, uneducated character, shall we say, uh, has captions that, that are written in that style. His 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 personal uneducated style. And it like literally like hurt my brain to read his captions, like because it's so you know it's like you know it's English uh, sort of you know what I mean, but it's like it's so broken and messed up and and unclear. It's like it, it just hurts your brain. They also do a whole lot more uh, with Crazy Jane, which she she was probably my favorite character of that Morrison run. Like they go into her, you know, like you give they give you like her secret origin, and they do a lot of like you know detailed work with that character and everything. Like I really like that character, but you know if if you do read beyond what you've already read, like I think you'll I think you'll enjoy the whole run. Yeah, it definitely grabbed my attention and you know piqued my interest to learn more. Um, is Crazy Jane someone that's still around? Because before reading this, I'd never even heard of her. Actually, that's probably the sad thing about this is if you ask too many questions about the Doom Patrol, your head's going to fucking hurt. Because thanks to things like, you know, Zero Hour and the Burn Soft Reboot and, you know, Infinite Crisis and Post Crisis and all these kind of things, like, that's that's kind of like Hawkman, but think of it as like the team version of Hawkman where there have been so many reboots to the characters because they they kind of eventually became quote-unquote vertigo characters because of morrison's run so in some sense dc in some ways kind of said oh okay they're vertigo characters we won't deal with them and then when they would try to bring them back into the dc proper there there were some runs like there was a john arcudi run of doom patrol i think it's i want to say it's volume four like that i thought was pretty cool because it sort of tried to acknowledge the past history with like Beast Boy and Changeling and things like that. But then there's also the the quote unquote much reviled John Byrne, you know, reboot run where basically he was like, oh, all those other Doom Patrol stories, they never happened. That it, those issues of JLA where we see the Doom Patrol, that's the first time you've ever met the Doom Patrol, and everybody was like, what? You know, so like there's there, there's lots of instances where you know like that. You know, you may see Crazy Jane up to a certain point, but then after a while, it'll be like, what happened? Like, they got, you know, rebooted, and it's like, okay. Yeah, the the most recent series before Flashpoint, um, you know, the one you talked about, Derek, with the middlemen. Oh, yeah, story yeah, yeah. That you like. The, the, um, the, one, the one where I didn't read the Doom Patrol stories, but I read the <laughs> middlemen backups. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I've only read, like, the first six issues of that. Like, it was okay. Um but I think they make reference to Crazy Jane in that. I think she's still alive. I don't know if she shows up later in that run. I never did finish that run, but I think I, I think, I, I think the simple version is, like, they, they basically, the, the post-burn reboot ignored all this stuff for a while. So for, like, a brief blip in time, you know, maybe Crazy Jane didn't exist. But then once they did, you know, Infinite Crisis and said, oh, fuck all this confusing shit, like, 
all the history is back the way it was, then I think like she was probably still around after that. So. Did uh did Burn also make anyone with a similar haircut secret cousins? Uh I don't think so. I don't think I've read the entire Burn Doom Patrol run. I think I think I was just kind of confused that they they did not exist and then they existed, you know, type thing. You know, that hurt my brain <laughs> enough to But I don't I don't know if there were any secret cornrow cousins in the uh, Doom Patrol uh, burn reboot. Did we did we have anything else to say about Doom Patrol or are we good? I think I got it all out. Unless cool. you guys have something to add. So I guess since we're on Brian, um, we'll have Brian go ahead and reveal his uh, homework assignment for me. Okay. Um, yeah, for Derek, I picked uh, someone that's near and dear to my heart. I picked the first volume of Nova. Um, you know, I thought it was an interesting pick for you because. You know, I like Nova because of the New Warriors and even, you know, some of the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, like, um, even from, like, 2000 on, you know, he's become a really cool character. But almost, like, it seems like each decade he's been written almost like a different character, you know? Like, in the 90s, he's pretty, like, hot-headed and cocky, and um, lately he's come more of age, and he seems more of, like, a genuinely likable guy. But, um, you know, the his original volume pre- presents him in, you know, an even different... Uh, personality back then, to me at least, he reminded me almost like, you know, what if Peter Parker had become Green Lantern or something? He kind of had that dweeby, you know, picked on by bullies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I thought there's, you know, some good reasoning reasoning behind uh, picking the story for you, and I was hoping you'd enjoy it, so I'm kind of eager to hear what you thought. I did enjoy it very much. I liked the run. Um, I read 1 through 24, so that or 25 I guess I think that's like the whole whole entire run of the first volume of Nova uh just to clarify for people um my exposure to Nova kind of like Brian's was through the New Warriors so I probably read when I was a kid you know in the 90s I probably read like the first I'd say under 30 but you know like the first 27 or so issues of New Warriors and stuff like that and I think later in life I probably picked up a few back issues here and there so I have some experience with the New Warriors and then I really 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 loved uh the Abnett and Lanning Nova I I was going to say the most current version of Nova but that's totally wrong now because they got Buckethead from Ultimate Spider Stupid Man and and all that (laughs) other stuff but I I really did like uh you know the whole Annihilation era Nova a, a great deal, so I was kind of looking forward to this because I had never read it before. And then I realized I was kind of lying because when I read the first issue, I'm all, why does this seem so damn familiar to me? I feel like I've read this already, but I know I wasn't lying about it. You know, I know I haven't read Nova before. And I realized, I think one of the, uh, you know how they make those double-sized books or whatever, where they have like an old issue of a Marvel comic in it? So I think during that, that Abnett and Lanning run of Nova, they must have reprinted issue number one, because it was, like, totally familiar to me when I was, like, reading it and stuff. So I'm guessing that's where I read that before. Yeah, um, I think they actually redid it with new art and stuff, too. Now that okay, I, I don't know about the art, but, like, it, it read totally familiar to me. They, they might have, like, recolored it or something like that, I bet. But, like, so so I, I remembered that while I was reading it and everything. And, you know, obviously, you know, having read, you know, the Abnett and Lanning Nova and knowing of the character, I mean, even before I read this run of Nova, I knew he was pretty similar to Green Lantern, you know, that, that kind of concept of an alien granting his powers to to an Earth person. And then, like you said, the supporting cast and his environment going to, uh, I think it was, 
what was it? It was like Truman High, right? It was his high school's named after the president, right? Something so he's like going that. to Truman High, and then he, um, it, it's like he's got the bully guy, kind of like Flash Thompson, except for they kind of tried to. It kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Firestorm, actually, written by Jerry Conway, because it's like he was kind of a, a reverse, reverse archetype, archetype of Peter Parker, where like Ron Raymond was kind of like a dumb athlete who, you know, his mentor was Professor Steen, and then, like, his bully was, like, a nerdy, like, messed-up Peter Parker named Cliff Carmichael. So kind of like Nova. Nova's kind of like a dweeby, nerdy guy, but he's not too bright, and he's always having trouble with math and science and things like that. And so his bully, Mike, whatever the hell his name was, was, like, supposed to be not only an all-star athlete, but he was also getting A's on all the exams. So it's kind of like the ultimate indignity. Like, imagine if, like, Flash Thompson was, like, not only was he, like, hey, puny Parker, you can't play sports, and you're dumb. Like, that's basically <laughs> that's basically what, what this bully was like to, um, to uh, uh, Nova, you know, and stuff like that. And then, and then the other thing, though, that I couldn't stand his girlfriend. Like, Ginger J, come on. I'm like, Mary Jane, Ginger J, Mary Jane, Ginger J. I was like, hey, Ginger J. I was just kind of like, come on, dude. Like, this is, I don't know, like, that was kind of reminded me of, like, Mary Jane to a, a, a ultimate degree. And then he had, like, some other friends, like, like Caps was, like, the little kid that had the cap and everything. And he was in my favorite story that I read, which was, uh, the, 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 he actually fights Mega Man. And not the Mega Man from the video games that everybody knows and loves, but like he's kind of like the 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 blank or the question, like with like Amazo's clothes or something. I guess is the best way to describe <laughs> Mega Man. He's like basically this faceless dude, but I guess he was Cap's uncle that got like zapped to another dimension and got all these powers and everything. But like what cracked me up was, you know, he's kind of faceless and he comes back to his wife, you know, and he finds out his hot blonde wife you know, really didn't love him that much and was happy that he quote unquote died, even though he got zapped off to this other dimension. And so like when he comes back, like my favorite line was he slaps away the guy that's been shacking up with his wife that his wife really wanted to be with, I guess. And he's like, fool, cretin, you dare come between Mega Man and his wife. And so I was kind of like <laughs> laughing about like, I don't know why I was picturing like the Mega Man from the video games. And, stuff like that. <laughs> and, and I thought that was a pretty funny story and everything. And, you know, and, and then and then he's got another supporting character named Bernie. And he's like this Jewish kid that hangs out with them. That's always like cracking jokes and everything. And like that to me kind of reminded me of the writer, like Marv Wolfman wrote the whole run of Nova and everything. So I thought maybe, you know how like Alfred Hitchcock kind of cameos in his movies and stuff like that. Like I kind of saw that as like Marv Wolfman, like inserting himself into the comic book or whatever, because like, if you've ever seen like interviews with Marv Wolfman, like he's, he's kind of a well-spoken guy, but you know, he's not exactly, you know, uh, you know, the most attractive guy in the world, you know, like he kind of has really bad teeth, unfortunately. And like, like he's kind of got like, you know, he wears eyeglasses and everything like that, but it kind of reminded me of like maybe a young version of Marv Wolfman or something, you know, like where he was kind of like their buddy and everything. And he, he cracked jokes and he's a witty guy, but you know, he wasn't exactly going to get the girl or anything in that comic or anything like that. He was just kind of a supporting character and stuff like that. 
just real quick, um, well, I don't know, I might go on about this forever and ever, but I'll try to be really fast. I just wrote down a bunch of stuff that I wanted to address, but he, he Nova teams up with a bunch of different characters um, in, in the course of the series. So, like, he teams up with Thor and Spider-Man and stuff like that, but I just wanted to say my favorite story uh, where he teamed up with somebody was the team up with Nick Fury, because he ends up fighting that guy Yellowclaw from the old Atlas comics that basically is like Jimmy Woo's uncle from Agent of Atlas. And so that was kind of like a really cool story where it's like basically, you know, all these LMDs like fight Nova and stuff. And it's like Thor and Iron Man and Cap and Spider-Man and they're kicking the shit out of Nova. And he's like, why are you guys fighting me? And then he realizes, wait, you guys aren't normal because you're all flying. Like Captain America and Spider-Man don't fly. You must be robots. And he like basically, you know, destroys them all. And then Nick Fury comes out and he's like, hey, kid, that was like two million dollars. Like, team up with me. And he's like, okay. And then they go off to, like, fight Yellowclaw and stuff. And it was pretty cool. Like, I, I really enjoyed the hell out of that. Like, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, and then uh, as far as, like, the villains that he faces, like, the original villains to Nova, um, I just wanted to say that Condor and Powerhouse are fucking the mortiest villains <laughs> I've ever seen. I was so happy when Condor got zapped by the Sphinx and turned into a real Condor and flew away so we never have to see his morty stupid ass again. Um, I think you don't like Wonder Man because Powerhouse reminds you of Wonder Man and Powerhouse is a fucking stupid mort too who comes from Xandar, but that's okay. Like, it, it's cool, Brian. I understand why you don't like Wonder Man now, because it's all Powerhouse's fault. Um, <laughs> as far as the heroes, um, like, there's this dude, Crime Buster, who teams up with Nova every once in a while. He's kind of like a street-level hero who kind of is like Spy Smasher. He's got, like, a little flying car that he... That he zooms around in but he's kind of basically a street level guy that runs around like punching people and shooting them with like you know guns that are non-lethal you know like frank non-lethal weapons you know like basically that's what crime buster does and to me all i could think of is marv wolfman wrote adventures of superman where he introduced i think his name was jose delgado and his crime fighting name was gangbuster so I was kind of like, Crime Buster, Gang Buster, Crime Buster, Gang Buster. Kind of like Ginger Jay and Mary Jane. I couldn't help but think of, of the same same stuff. Um, and then we come to the whole time Condor and Powerhouse and Diamond Head, all these Nova villains are going, we must deal with him who we cannot name, who's so important, and he who is so awesome, and what will we do when we have to fight him? And I'm kind of going, well, man, if him is as lame as fucking Condor, I'm going to be pissed off, you know? Like, I was like, I hope they're not building up this guy, and then he turns into some Morty villain. But luckily for me, um, I knew about the Sphinx, who is, that's the villain that it turns out to be. Um, uh, you know, I knew about him from Nova Volume 4, you know, the Abnett and Landing run. And then I also knew about him from reading some of those New Warriors issues, like later with the Derek Robertson art and everything. So I knew he was like a big heavy hitter. So when it finally like revealed him, I think by like the sixth or seventh issue, I was kind of like, oh, cool. It's like Dark Side, but with like fruity color scheme. You know, like I was like, this is going to be awesome, you know, like. And so uh, I was kind of excited to see the Sphinx whenever he showed up. Um, even towards the end when they were fighting like Yellow Claw and Sphinx disappeared for a while, I was kind of like, oh, man, I hope the Sphinx comes back because Nova should really like have a one on one with him at the end. And they kind of tried to do that towards the end. And what was interesting was I was reading a lot of Fantastic Four comics that Marv Wolfman had did because I'm working on the new Fantastic Four 
history of comics on film, and the Marv Wolfman run introduces Herbie the Robot. So I had kind of already read all that stuff where, you know, even though Nova got canceled with, like, issue 25, I sort of read all the comics that sort of were his denouement or his conclusion, you know, to that whole arc where he forms, like, the new Centurions and they go team up with the Fantastic Four. And there's a really cool, awesome fight between Galactus and the Sphinx. And, you know, basically there's a lot of cool stuff. So even though the title's canceled and... If you read, you know, all the issues of Nova, there is a ultimate sort of conclusion to it all. And then I was kind of curious because my my first exposure to Nova was in the New Warriors. So I guess if you remember New Warriors 1, you know, Night Thrasher is recruiting for the team. And when he recruits Nova, basically uh, uh, Ryder, you know, Rich Ryder is powerless, right? So he takes him up to the building and he's hanging him over the building. He's like, yeah, fuck you, Rich Ryder. Like, you're going to team up with me or whatever. And I think he just, like, drops him or whatever. And then that sort of reignites his Nova powers, I guess, and he flies around and he's like, that's great. Like, thanks, Night Thrasher, buddy. You knew I wasn't going to die, right? And he's like, nope, motherfucker, I didn't know shit. And he's like, God damn it, I hate your guts, you know, or whatever. And they have this kind of, you know, tension on the team or whatever. But to me, I was always like, oh, so he was powerless. So when I kind of read through all that, I'm all, oh, well, when did Rich, you know, lose his powers? Like, I don't remember reading about that. And I guess he, uh, eventually they sort of followed up on Nova's story in ROM, Space Knight, where they have a last big battle with all the scrolls and everything, and he protects Xandar and whatever. But by the end of that, it's like, oh, you know, you must leave Xandar now, and we're not giving you your powers when you go back to Earth. You know, it's like, Poochie got sent home, but without his superpowers, basically. And and then and then I guess he was, like, in this issue of, of Kazar, where, like, it was, like, the last issue of Kazar in the 80s, and his title was being canceled, and so, like, Kazar gets, like, zapped to this alien planet, but then you realize it's not an alien planet because it's, like, heaven. And he's like, this isn't what I thought heaven would look like. And then he's, like, you know, swinging around on all these vines and everything, and it's like, they're creeping up on me. They're all here. And then basically, like, the door opens like it's a big surprise party, but it's, like, a surprise party for, like, canceled comic characters or some shit. And, like, like Nova and all these other guys, like Brother Voodoo, and, <laughs> like, basically, like, all these dudes who had, like, canceled comics, like, you know, Ghost Rider and... Silver Surfer, and, you know, at the time, they were all ongoing titles that had been canceled. And so they're basically like, welcome back, Kazar. And Kazar's like, I've been canceled, like, five times now, but I'll keep coming back, readers, like, or whatever. But it was funny because, like, Nova's there on the side, like, yeah, buddy, I was canceled too, you know, or whatever. And I was like, oh, so that's, to me, it's sort of like filling in the gaps because I'm like, oh, that's what happened to Nova until I, you know, first was introduced to him in, in New Warriors number one. So basically, like, I, I totally enjoyed it. Um, the art was great. Uh, the first half of it was Sal Buscema. And then the last half of it, which was really good, was uh, Carmen Infantino. And so, like, all that stuff was cool. So that's that's basically my, my take on Nova. I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, I'm kind of scared because now I, I might try to read uh, Mullet Nova, but I don't know how that's going to go <laughs> But um, yeah. um, from the 90s. But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Blue blazes! I'm awesome! Well, I'm exceedingly happy that you enjoyed it so thoroughly. And, like, you know, knowing your uh, somewhat hate of Mords, I figured you'd have something to say about, like, Diamond Head and Condor, but I didn't think you'd go to that. that. Diamond, Head, Diamond Head's okay, but Condor, man, and Powerhouse? Ooh, man. <laughs> I just read the opposite way. I thought Diamond Head was the lamer of the trio. You know what else I wanted to mention? Did you notice that Wally West was in Nova? I did not. So Marvel has been writing it. 
he goes on to write the the new Teen Titans. So like in issue nineteen, like when when Rich Rider's at high school and he's putting his arm around Ginger J, his girlfriend that tutors him in math, that is in no way, shape, or form like Mary Jane whatsoever. Like uh, there there's a couple kids walking around in the background. And it's a redheaded kid and a blonde girl who he's got his arm around. And the blonde girl, I think, is supposed to be like the Rainbow Raider or one of, I forget that chick that Wally West went out when he was a kid. I don't remember what her name is. But like, she's like, So what did you tell Barry, Wally? And it's like, I told Barry, blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah. Like, there's some line like that where it's like just random background in the dialogue. But I was like, Dude, it's Wally West. Like, so. That's anyway, cool. I'll totally look at that. Random, uh, I don't know what you call that, but, you know, a random insert of love for Wally West in uh, in Nova issue 19. So It's the one where he's fighting that weird guy who looks like Bolt from DC Comics. Like, okay. Uh, he had like, negative black energy, and he was trying to, like, I don't know, strangle Nova or something. Mm-hmm. With Derek, you're overlooking the most simple explanation for Mary Jane and Ginger J. They're secret sisters. They are, they are secret sisters. Ginger Jay and Mary Jane are totally secret sisters. So so I guess I've wrapped up the whole thing on Nova. So I guess it's on me. So I should go now. And uh, my thing that I assigned Mike was the Marvel Knights Max series. It's a miniseries, a five-issue miniseries called The Destroyer that was written by Robert Kirkman. And uh, just, just a brief backstory on uh, The Destroyer uh his name is Keen Marlowe. He's an old school, like '40s Marvel Comics timely character. You know that appeared the same time as Namor the Submariner and Captain America and the Human Torch and guys like that. And you may remember him with all the old school, like elderly heroes from uh, the Spider-Man Fox Kids show. Like he was one of the the guys on there. And then I think he, he I think he had like a British accent or something on there. Right? Yeah. Pip, pip, chap, let's go get it. Yeah, he was like, me, Parker, you must give me back my costume. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but uh, I I knew that Mike liked uh, Robert Kirkman's work. You know, I I know we have talked about, um, you know, Invincible quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I knew that Robert Kirkman had worked on other stuff for Marvel before in the past. And I thought Mike might get a kick out of reading it. So... What did you uh, What did you think of Destroyer, Mike? I liked it. Um, I was actually kind of familiar with the, not Keen Marlowe, but uh, Roger Aubrey, which was I guess he's the third Destroyer. Um, he was a big part of Thunderbolts for a while because he was the leader of the V Battalion. Uh, you know that Citizen V works for, and uh, I guess they kind of retconned it that like him and like uh. Keen Marlowe and like some other dude like all switched like they're t- like all sh- like had a timeshare using the destroyer like identity. So I, I don't know. It's all kind of confusing. Yeah, and then didn't one of them go on to become uh, Union Jack? So it kind of further confuses it. Yeah, exactly. It's like they 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 someone tried to retcon it, then they retconned it back, and then like yeah, now it's all kind of you know whatever. But like yeah, for this series at least, Kirkman just went with like you know the easy route, which is just take the original guy and like you know I think like Kirkman. I was reading up on it, like some background on it, and Kirkman was like. Uh, I'm, I wrote this mini as if, like, the Destroyer comic was in publication since it, like, was first conceived. So it would be, 
like, you know, issue, like, you know, 800 or something by now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah like, it, it, uh, what do you call it? Keen Marlowe's, like, in, like, what, like, his 80s or 90s or something? Yeah, yeah, they, and, there's frequent lines where they're like, you're almost 100, like, what the hell are you doing? But he still, like, totally kicks everybody's ass and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like, he's just an old like grumpy old man and like he just goes out and like basically the whole mini series is him like you know oh crap i'm gonna die soon i better go out and kill like all my enemies so you know my family is safe and stuff yeah i know so yeah i, I know sometimes like that would make certain people like you know linkara or somebody cringe that they're a superhero is going out and killing all his old enemies but like it kind of made sense to me and like i i kind of enjoy that kind of stuff so like i i i i sort of get a kick out of it when it's like i don't know it just feels feels like there's a, a good climax or resolution to it, even though I wasn't even familiar with any of these guys. It's like he had them do all kinds of nasty shit to his family, and you, you knew they, these guys were fucked up, and it wasn't like you were like, oh, no, like, what a horrible human being for, like, snapping off that guy's head. It's more like, you know, this guy's probably fucked up and deserves it, so. How ironic. I'd become the destroyer, all right, the destroyer of lives. Exactly, yeah. By most of the the death and blood and gore. But I know you're, you said sometimes you're a little squeamish at things, so I know there's lots of blood and guts in that. How, how did you react to all of that? The carnage? It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't so bad because it, it was kind of like an invincible level of violence yeah. and not a walking dead-like level yeah. of violence. Yeah. Like, I'm cool with, like, a shot, like, where, you know, like, he, like, he punches someone so hard, like, their jaw flies off or something. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, the, the walking dead like violence is more like you know people getting like eaten alive and disemboweled and you know right, right. stuff like that and you know i i it kind of really reminded me of invincible a lot where you know like he like you know he splits some guy in two and he's like totally covered, covered in red yeah and like he's just like standing around like nothing happened like he's totally like red color like he, he took a dip in like tomato soup or yeah, something pretty much like i love it when he <laughs> eats the fuck out of the guy and he's like dude you gotta stop like it's okay you got him you know and stuff like that <laughs> yeah like, all fucking covered in blood i just i don't know i love that shit i think it's awesome I like I like when the guy like tries to shoot him and he like takes the gun and like shoves it through the guy and he's like Gun, guns for pussy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's fun like it is it is one of those things though that Brian says where like I would not get a single turd out before I finish finish reading all five issues like that's that's how quick the story goes by yeah like, it was like really what was funny was it, it probably took me like uh, maybe this week to read all those issues of Nova because you know they were written in the 70s were like a comic book takes more than like a millisecond to read you know and so I kind of read through all those and you know I, I finished up reading most of those uh, probably like this morning and last night but uh, right before the podcast I was like oh you know I should probably look over you know some of these other things we're about to discuss just in case it comes up and I'm like man I just read through the destroyer in like three seconds like I fucking swear to god kid you not <laughs> Five issues. It was like, bam! I was done. Yeah, like, I, I was like, like, oh, this was like, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like not. You know, it's definitely. It, if you're looking to buy a trade or something that you think is gonna like kill some time, <laughs> this is not it. It's like, it's like lightning Bendis style Daredevil, where you just fucking and you're done. You know, but it is, it is fun and good. You know. So. 
Yeah, I like like the I really like the Destroyer's like costume. Like I always have. Like I think it's one of those like few costumes from like the 40s that still kind of holds up. Like you know, it's just a scare a guy with a scary looking mask and like a shirt with a skull on it. Like you know, and it's it, pretty much that's all you need. So like yeah, I really like. You, you mean you don't like the Golden Age Visions look? All red and green and weird looking? <laughs> what, about, what about the original Angel with a mustache and <laughs> shit? Like, yeah. Uh, no. But I was going to say, I really liked, I think it was the last or the second to last issue where, like, he actually dies and he's like, oh, like, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Like, the, the, like, the Grim Reapers come yeah, for him, that, and he's like, fuck that, this, yeah. I still got stuff to do. And it, like, kills, he kills, like, all the Grim Reapers agents that come to try and take yeah. him, and they're like, dude, you know, we're trying to do our jobs, you're supposed to be dead. And he's like, I, well, fuck you, I still have work to do back, like, you know, in the living. I like, I like, so when, then, like when he's like, he's like, you sent four, next time send fucking ten. And, like, one, one of the Reapers is like, come on, man, if we don't take you, you know, we'll just have to take somebody like your wife and then all of a sudden he's like oh wait wait I didn't mean it as like a threat I didn't <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was fucking awesome yeah. that was some pretty fuck awesome shit and yeah fuck you death and fuck you yeah I thought that was pretty cool but yeah I dug it cool so uh so I guess yeah we, we all were exposed to some really cool neat uh, comic book stuff that uh, none of us had ever read before. Um, if you haven't heard of any of these books, uh, I think most of these can be picked up in trade paperbacks or maybe with Nova, like you probably get one of those black and white essentials. Um, or, or like I said, there's probably some of them recolored and reprinted in, in some of the Abnet and Lanning issues of Nova. But we're going to go on to our regular staple of the week, which is the awesome thing of the week. And so I'll just start in reverse. I'll start with myself and go backward on my Skype uh, panel here. So starting with myself, um, my awesome thing of the week is kind of a preemptive, like looking forward to it kind of thing. But uh, one of the things that was announced in uh, in the world of DVDs and I guess at Comic-Con is that uh, the Shazam live action series is uh, coming to Warner Brothers' made-on-demand DVDs. So I'm kind of excited about that. I mean, I've already done a history of comics on film on it, but I'm still excited that we'll get, like, some nice, clean, crisp copies of the entire complete series on DVD. It kind of gives me a bunch of hope that the filmation animated Shazam might be released in that manner in the future. And then uh, at Comic-Con, there was this really cool poster by Jerry Ordway. Um, And Jerry Ordway's worked on The Power of Shazam for a long time, so he's kind of an artist that's familiar to, you know, I guess, Captain Marvel fans and stuff like that. And so he did a poster, like, in the style of the TV series and everything. So you got the, the you know, Shazam Winnebago, and you got Mentor, and, you know, 70s Billy, you know, with his 70s fro, and you got, you know, uh, Jackson Bostwick, you know, uh, image, you know, interpretation by Jerry Ordway. It's a really, really sweet image of the poster. I mean, even if you don't go to Comic-Con, I'm sure you could find it online somewhere and take a look at it. It's a sweet poster. So that that's basically my uh, my awesome thing this week. And then we'll just move on down the backward list and, and go to Brian. Um, what's awesome in your world this week, Brian? Um, I have a couple things. One would be a video game. Uh, I ordered Max Payne 3. Um, I got it off eBay used because um, I'd never really played the series before and had gotten some good reviews when it came out. But, you know, since I wasn't familiar with it, I wasn't really 
ready to ready plunk to... down um, sixty whole dollars for it. So I just got it used and you know pretty cheap. Um, and yeah, I found it very cool. Um, it's kind of like a third-person shooter, but um, from what I can tell, the story I guess as Max Payne, you're kind of like um, you used to be like a detective or something, and it's really you know like a gritty almost like noir style tale that you're going through and uh currently you're kind of in like brazil is like a bodyguard for these like mega rich i don't know if they're drug dealers or what but um basically there's a lot of shady characters involved with them and they end up uh kidnapping like his sister and his wife and you're hunting them down but um yeah the game's like very diverse it's switching you around to like different locales and I guess one of the staples of the Max Payne series is this thing called bullet time, where basically you can slow down time as you're jumping. Like, you do it as you're, like, leaping into covers or something, and then you can just pick guys off as you're leaping. And that's a really fun game mechanic. So, um, I don't know. If, if you guys can find it out there cheap enough for those that like shooters, you know, you might check it out. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it as well as I do. Yeah. Brian, I'm, I'm just to jump in for a second. I'm surprised that this is a game. What do you call? Uh, I I've played and beaten both the first two Max Paynes. I'm like a game that I've beaten that Brian hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. What'd you think of the first two? I'm curious. Yeah, they're really good. They were cool because like back back like when the first one came out, like that was the first time there was like a sort of like. Uh, bullet time or like slow mo mechanic, right? And that that was pretty unique at that time. And the second one was okay, but like the first one was really like, whoa, I've never seen this before, like in a video game. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, just besides that mechanic, I thought like the emphasis on the story was really good. So, were the first two like that too? Where there's you know, yeah, the the first two have like uh like sort of like graphic novel like. Uh, like cutscenes with voice acting, pretty much, where it's you know it just kind of unfolds like a like a like a Sin City story almost, and like uh, yeah, like you said, noirish and like you know he he's basically the Punisher. Basically, his family dies and he has to go find their killers, and then like yeah, a bunch of like crazy shit happens. <laughs> yeah, like I've enjoyed three enough that you know when four comes out eventually, I'll definitely take notice a lot sooner. The other thing I just wanted to mention real quick this week was uh, I took my daughter to her first, like, amusement park um, here in Des Moines. It's called Adventureland. But that was really awesome. She's three and a half, and I was somewhat worried because her mom, like, doesn't like spinny rides or anything. But my daughter was, like, amazingly awesome and, like, such a trooper. Like, I I took her on, you know, rides like (laughs) – like, well, you know, they have, like, the teacups – and balloon rides and stuff, and I was like, nah, let's skip that, and we're going, like, on adult rides with her, and she just loved them, and, like, every time we got off, she was like, I want to do it again, like, immediately get back in line. Dude, so, she, she, she got your spinny gene, so it's all yeah, good, like, she it's got awesome. The spinny <laughs> gene. So, yeah, that was just a really fun time, and a really good memory for me, so I just wanted to mention it. Cool, that's great, man. So, um, let's see, we're going backwards, so we're on, uh, we're on Justin. Justin, what is your awesome thing this week? I have two things. Um, the first one is a trade from IDW called Adventures in Oz. And this collects several different Oz stories by Eric Schenauer. Um It collects the Enchanted Apples of Oz, the Secret Island of Oz, the Ice King of Oz, the Forgotten Forest of Oz, and the Blue Witch of Oz. Um, that's a lot of yeah, Oz's. That's a lot of Oz's. 
but it, it, they're all really good stories. Um, he does a really great job not only writing them and using elements from all the original uh, novels by Bond, but he, he the artwork is really exceptional. Like I really love the artwork in this. So um, like uh, like pumpkin guy shows up. Yes, Jack Pumpkinhead. He's nice. He's not a he's not like a main character, but you see him in the background in a few stories, and he has a few lines. But uh, sweet. Uh, but yeah, like I, I really like all the kinds of Oz stuff. So this was like a really, a really great thing to read. Like, and as Derek says, like this is something that it will take you quite a while to read. You know, like I just said, there are several Oz stories collected in it. So if you like Oz stuff, uh, I would highly suggest picking it up. And probably uh, more people will be interested in it since there's a new uh, Oz the Great and Powerful movie coming from uh, Sam Raimi. The second thing is a book. It's Kiss and Makeup by Gene Simmons. This is basically just his autobiography telling about his childhood, you know, growing up in uh, Israel and coming to America and getting involved with, uh, you know, music and everything and his relationship with celebrities like Cher and all this stuff. Uh, I've been a Kiss fan since, I don't know, middle school maybe. Like, I always like Kiss. So there, I learned a lot of things in from this book, even being a fan, there was like a lot of things. I'm just like, wow, I did not know that. Um, but it, so, if you like good autobiographies, or if you like Kiss, and you haven't read this book, then I highly suggest it. Have you seen that like insanely huge? It might be called Monster or something, but there's like this gigantic Kiss book coming out. And it's like thirty thousand dollars or some crap. No. It's like I think it's like five feet tall or something like that. I don't know. You gotta look it up. <laughs> wow. It's totally insane. How, how do you? How do you? How does one read this book? Um, I don't know. You, you invite a couple friends over and you have them help you <laughs> turn the pages. I guess. They're all slaves. <laughs> turn when you the hear, pages. when you hear the chime, have your team of oxen begin turning the pages. <laughs> hey, you just got a new refrigerator, right? Can I have the box? I need a bookmark. <laughs> when you hear R two D two beep like this, then your oxen you need, you need, just turn the page. You need R2-D2 and his rockets to, like, turn the pages. The, the rockets that all of a sudden magically appeared before yeah. the other movies? Okay, I was wrong on the price. I just looked it up. It's only 4000 Let me see. $4,250. Oh, okay. That's pocket change. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for the casual KISS fan, it's, it might be something you want to look into. Hey, if, you, if you're not going to spend, like, you know, 30000 on that Kissmobile with, like, Gene Simmons' face on the hood, maybe you'll spring for the Kiss book instead, you know? Okay. I was wrong on the size, too. It's three feet tall and two and a half feet wide, so not quite five feet, but still pretty huge. Book. That's still that's still pretty huge. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I probably wouldn't need my team of oxen, though, but cool. Um, so I guess that brings us to Mike, unless Justin had anything else to add. Nope. Okay. Mike, what is the awesome thing in in your world this week? As per usual, it's a comic um, or a trade. Uh, I've been after our Spider-Man show. I've been like looking through my stuff, and I was like, uh, I, I want to read some more Spider-Man stuff. And like, uh, what do you call? I, I've been tracking. I've been trying to like reduce the amount of single issues. Like, I, I want to find some way to get rid of or at least shove into storage a lot of my single issues. So I've been trying to collect all of, like, Peter David's Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man run in trades. Okay. And, uh, what do you call it? I've got, like, the first two and, like, the, the last 
like the last one where he's in like in the black costume, like the back in black stuff, I have to get it like as part of a like whole like back in black trade with like Straczynski's like run and all that. So like that's, that's the one where he like too. kicks the shit out of the kingpin and yeah, that's right? pretty awesome. Yeah, like I I can't begrudge Straczynski that. That's a pretty awesome fight scene. But uh, like, well, all of this is leading up to. Uh, I also like picked up the other like I decided like I uh when I was looking for that trade uh, at my comic store, I saw like the other back in black trade which has like all the um I guess the book was called like Sensational Spider Man right before it got like canceled like right before one more day. Um, I forgot the, the writer's name, uh, Roberto something or other. Uh. I can't think of his name right now, but uh, I don't know. In whatever case, this this trade had a bunch of like uh, good like I don't know. I, I guess I overlooked it when it was like uh, when around that time because I was only picking up Friendly Neighborhood and like I was so bitter that you know one more day was going to obviously undo the marriage and all that. But uh, the stories in this trade were really good. Like there there was an issue like there's a one off issue where like. It's kind of funny, because it's like, just like with Peter David, um, this dude who's writing the book, like, clearly is, like, trying to, like, have the final say on, like, you know, this is stupid that you're undoing the marriage, and, you know, like, you know, Peter and Mary Jane forever and all that, because it's like, Peter, like, has a seance, like, with Madam Webb sets up, like, a seance, so they can contact Aunt May's spirit. And, like, Aunt May's spirit basically tells Peter, like, uh, what are you doing, you know? Like, just let me die, okay? You know, it's cool, you know? It's not your fault. I don't blame you. You don't have to feel guilt for this. So, you know, stop putting everyone through, like, such misery and, you know, let me go. And Peter's like, no, but I can't, you know? But that's, that's well, pretty Joe Quesada won't let me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And then there's another issue where, like, Peter actually, like, talks with God. Like, God appears to him. Or, well, they never say it's God, but it clearly is. And, it, like, you know, God is kind of like, you know, tough shit, you know, happens, you know, dude, you know. And I'm asking you to make a sacrifice here, and you're going to be, you know, you got to, like, you know, man up, pretty much. And Peter's like, oh, but this is hard, God, you know. But, I don't know. And then, and then there's another, like... <laughs> Life's hard. I don't know. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, it just seems. It, I don't know. The, the, it's it's much more touching and uh, well written than what I'm describing. But it's just kind of funny. And I don't know. There was this. I think it was like a sensational Spider-Man annual where like Peter and MJ like it kind of like delves into their marriage and stuff. And uh, I don't know. It, it was very nice and sweet. And you know, it, it, it's kind of. I don't know, bittersweet now, I guess. But I think I think that's I one of the ones they put on that CBR top fifty list of Spider-Man stories. I don't think I've ever read that one, but it it sounds like I know it was a sensational Spider-Man annual, so I'm assuming it's it's the same story. Yeah, it, it was really good. Like it it. it it, it like flashes back to a bunch of like key moments in their relationship and then kind of like gives their like inner thoughts and like their mon like inner monologues during those moments and it's really kind of sweet and i get like i said bittersweet in regards to what happened but you know it's just kind of funny like it's like mary jane's like you know when we first started dating like i gave him a mixtape of like all songs i liked and like i told him to make a mixtape for me and like peter gave me a mixtape that had half an episode of Nova on it. 
Like, and it was like a lecture about like you know meteorites and magnetic fields and stuff. And I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, so I I really enjoyed those stories, and I'm I'm kind of appreciating some of them now. Like now that like it seems like that era of Spider-Man is gone for the moment. So cool, cool. So uh, so those are our awesome things for the week. Um, we just want to let all the listeners know that the fanhole dare goodness is not ending tonight and here with this podcast. It's actually going to continue on to the next podcast. We're going to be doing a follow-up to the TV dare. So long, long ago, back in like episode 41, uh, this is when we first started the fanhole dare segment. And uh, we all picked a bunch of TV series that neither of us had watched and assigned them all. And so uh, we're going to do that again uh, next week. Um, so, uh, we just want to, I guess, start off with, uh, I'll go back forward ways and we'll just let you know what you're in for next week. Um, Mike, uh, what, what do you have lined up for me, uh, to watch next week? Well, Derek, um, I'm going to have you watch, uh, the first five episodes of, uh, the nineties, uh, cult, uh, cartoon series, Exo Squad. And uh, I guess that's on Hulu, so that's how I'm going to be watching ExoSquad. So cool. I look forward to that. Um, me, myself, um, I picked the HBO miniseries John Adams for my good friend uh, Justin. I know he loves history, and I really enjoyed the hell out of uh, John Adams. Uh, you know, so I picked that for him. Cool. So, uh,. It's my turn. So uh, for Brian, I picked the first two episodes of Common Rider Double to try and expose him to some, you know, Sentai-esque shenanigans. Cool. Um, I had Mike. For Mike, I picked uh, Syphil and Ollie. This was one of my favorite shows during high school. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Liam Lynch. Um, he's done some other things since then, like, like um, direct, he directed, I think, and maybe helped write the Tenacious D movie with Jack Black. But this was kind of his first foray into show business, and it's, um, I guess, based off like phone calls he and a buddy had made at college, and they turned it into a show, and it aired on MTV. So, Mike, I hope you enjoy it. They're ready. Cool. Well, that's that's all we got for tonight. So uh, I'm just going to sign off. This is, uh, has been your host, Derek, Derek WC. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. Mike Thunderwing. Justin Grimlock. Purse. When you hear the chimes, the podcast will be over. <laughs> when, you, when you hear R2-D2 beep like this, you know the podcast has ended. <laughs>